Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. I'm Faye and this is my monthly crochet podcast with a little bit of knitting on the side. You can catch the audio version of the podcast on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. The video version is available on YouTube. Each podcast has full linked show notes which can be found at www.thecrochetcircle.podbean.com and you can also follow me on Instagram crochet underscore circle underscore podcast. Welcome to the Crochet Clan and our amazing community. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Crochet Circle podcast. This one is called Simple Soothing Stitches because that's about all I'm good for at the moment. <laughs> Hello, how are y'all doing? I hope you're well. I am waving. Oh, you're waving back. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, what have we got for you this month? We have got kind of general update, old dog new tricks, final destination, designs in progress, quick news beats and a j'adore. Um, and I'm hugging a cup of tea because we've had lovely, lovely weather and now it's all oh so grey. So I've got all of the studio lights on, beaming down on me. Um, but I'm trying to keep warm because it's a bit chilly. It's gone almost autumnal out there. Um, right. Let's do a little general update. <laughs> um, so globally, we're still in, you know, kind of stay-at-home lockdown mode and it's at different levels for different countries. Some people are just coming out of lockdown. Some people are just going into the next wave of lockdown. We are in week five at the moment, five or six in the UK. And um, like I'm actually, you wouldn't know it, but I'm actually a bit of an introvert. I work from home. You'd be lucky if I maybe go out a handful of times in the week. And I really like my little home bubble. I'm I'm very I'm very very homely, um. But what normally happens is it comes to this time of the year, and I'm out doing shows. So I'm out doing yarn shows, and I love doing yarn shows because I get to meet all of you, and I get to meet customers, and I get to see all of my yarn show buddies. So although we talk on Instagram, and I've got some that I'm in contact with daily. It's just not the same as seeing them at a yarn show and being able to run up and give them a hug and have a proper natter and like like that face to face contact where you can touch them and um you know you can be a bit more tactile is so important to me and um we don't have that and it should have been Wonderful Wheels this weekend just gone, which is the first really big yarn show in the UK um of the year we've there's like um, a couple just before but it's the first really big one that I do and it's the first really big one that I do where most of my friends are there as well and you know we might go out for a curry afterwards and it's just I'm very much missing not having that and not being at Wonderful Wales so yeah I'm doing fine you know I'm doing an awful lot better than many folk are but I'm just it's starting to kind of hit me now that it may be a long, long time before I see some of my friends and we may not get a yarn show in in 2020. You know, that is a reality for us because of the numbers of people that turned up for, for these events. So I feel a little saddened about that. Um, But 
I did virtual Wonderwall last weekend, so that was that was really good fun. It was quite intense, but it was good fun. It was all online. If you want to have a look at that, if you're um, if you're based in the UK and you want to see what's going on from a virtual basis, if you go onto Instagram or Facebook and you follow hashtag virtual Wonderwall, or there's also a Facebook group for virtual Wonderwall Wales. Um, go and have a look at that and you'll see all the stuff that the vendors did last weekend because a huge, huge amount of effort went into that uh, from many of the vendors, myself included and um, there are all sorts of bits and pieces that you can look at through the Facebook group in particular um, That said, I recognise I am in quite a fortunate position I'm still working, the shop is still open um, and I know for others of you life is really crowded because if you're a social butterfly and you're in lockdown and stay at home that just must be like hell on toast for you whereas for me it's a bit like oh it's another day at home um so it must be really awful and on a more somber note I know some of you have been directly affected with either um contracting the virus yourselves members of your family contracting it and be really quite poorly and members of your family and friends contracting it and actually dying from it so my heart really goes out to you because this is not a fun time this is horrendous if you're watching it looks a bit odd behind me um if you're listening i'll explain what's going on um, I said that I did virtual Wonderful Wheels and what I did for that was I actually set up my shop and I took loads of videos um, of different products and different types of things. So I did one on crochet, one on knitting, one on blocking, one on notions. But because I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the yarn shows, I was booked in to do 11 this year. <laughs> and I think that's 11 that I will not be doing this year. Um, so what I'm going to do is just leave this up from now until I know what's happening with the other yarn shows because I should have been doing one this weekend, that's not happening and there's every chance that more of the other yarn shows will do virtual online ones so I'm going to leave the shop set up behind me um, and then, so it just means that you're that, that's going to be my background for the podcast for a while I'll obviously put different things on um, Clint or Claude, my models but this is my background because we're just in an unprecedented situation and I need to be able to react to it quickly and there's no point in me taking that all of that down and then putting it back up and I don't mind it. I quite like coming into the studio. So my, my door is on the opposite end of the studio and I walk in and I've got my little shop there and I'm like, oh, I am a shop seller. That's what I do. I am also a shop manager. So it's quite nice to come in and see that. But um, apologies, but this is going to be the background, I think, for a good few months. So on to old dog new tricks. This one comes from um, Crochet Clan member Caroline, who is Saltra on Ravelry. And one of her top tips is to keep on learning new techniques. And I think this is a really valid point at the at the moment, is if you can... Even if it needs to be something simple, why not learn something new? And the point that um, Caroline gave, gave around this is that when she learned Tunisian crochet, she just made blankets for 18 months and it really nearly did her in. Like She was so sick of Tunisian crochet and doing blankets at the end of those 18 months. And then somebody started a Tunisian cal, which was all about 
and um, building on skills, learning new techniques. And when she started on that, that was back at the um, back end of last year when she told me about this. Um, she then did I think it was thirteen odd different projects using completely different techniques. It might have been that one was a blanket, one was a dishcloth, one was something else. So not huge, huge um, things all the time. But what she was doing was building up her skills within that craft and she's never looked back. And I will bet you, for those that are listening and watching, at some point you will have looked at another pattern or you will have looked at something within a craft that you already do and you'll have told yourself... I'm not ready to do that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I don't have the skill set to be able to do that. And I really want to encourage you, especially in times like this. Like We have one life. Push it. Do as much as you can in this one life. Try the thing out because one of three things are going to happen. One, you do it and you can already do it. Amazing. Your skill set was already there to be able to complete it. Two, you try it and you're not quite there and you need to practice a little bit more. Fantastic, because you'll keep on practicing and then you will raise your skill set. Three, you do it, you can't do it and or you don't like it. In which case, you know that you don't ever need to attempt it again because it's not your thing. I did that with cabled crochet. I won't, like, I love the effect. I love what other people can do. I do not ever want to do crocheted cables ever again in my lifetime I tried it I hated it I tried it again I still hated it it's not that I can't do it it just takes up so much brain power and I'm so slow at it and I don't enjoy it that I know that I just don't need to look at those projects anymore because why would I there are so many other things that I'm good at that I'm better at and that I enjoy and that fulfill me so why would I be doing the things that I don't like and to me honestly that's like that's as good an outcome as I can do it and I'm really proficient at it because I now know that I don't need to look at those projects and think, oh, I might be able to do that. I can just skim past them and go, I'm not going to do that because I don't enjoy it. So in, um, in this month's top tips from Caroline and from me, we're both saying, give it a go. You, there's probably so many things that you haven't tried within the craft that you already do and you, I'll guarantee you're pulling yourselves back and saying, oh, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. I'm not skilled enough. I'll muck that up so I just won't do it. Just do it. Just give it a go. You will be amazed at what it is that you can actually achieve when you try something. When you sit down with a level of determination and calm and you say, today I am going to crack this thing. I mean, what does it matter if you don't? But at least you've given it a go. Don't hold yourself back. Just go for it. That was quite tenacious, wasn't it? Just go for it. Faye says, do it. <laughs> so, let me show you some finished objects in Final Destination. I've been a busy little bee. Um, first up is... Let me, I'm so excited about this. I... Uh, kind of made it to the front cover of Inside Crochet with my Halloween shawl. I'm so proud of this. I, I never went out with the intention of um, having pa patterns published in magazines and this really lovely 
organic relationship has been growing with Inside Crochet and I just love this publication. I love their ethos. I love the art direction that they're going in. And you know me, I'm quite reserved about um, like who I work with and who I don't. And I'm really enjoying working with Inside Crochet. And behind me on Clint, my lovely uh, model is the actual Halewin, um shawl. And it's based on sunshine and the rays of the sun, which seems very apt at the moment because any bit of sunshine that can come our way is very, very welcome. Um, I used wool for this. It came from Garthener, from Johnny and Sally. They're based in Wales. And um, Hillwyn actually means sunshine in Welsh, so that's the where the name has come from. So I used two different wools. The grey, it's kind of almost like a a brownie grey, is, let me look it up and make sure I get this right, that is their number one lace weight, <laughs> um, which is undyed Shetland, and that was, it was two 50 gram hanks of that. And then this bright, bright acidy yellow is actually from another of their lace weight range, but it's called Pennine, and the colour is called Tilia. And I've added links to all of these yarns and to Inside Crochet in the um, in the show notes. So because we're in strange times, one of the things that Inside Crochet is doing is obviously you can download um, copies from their website, link is in the show notes, but also they're doing um, postal options for you as well, worldwide. So if you can't get your copy from where you would normally get it, or if you've never had Inside Crochet and you're looking to get it, just head straight to the link that I've given in the show notes because that's where you can get straight to um, their subscriptions page. And they've really gone all out to try and get copies out to people during these times because, you know, many news agents aren't open. Places that you might normally get a copy maybe have reduced the amount of stock that they're taking. You know, there are all sorts of onward impacts. And Inside Crochet have really gone all out to try and make sure that they're getting magazines out to the people that want them. So it's issue 125 is the one that you're after. I'm so pleased with it. So the whole thing is um, uh, comes out into a wingspan and it uses... Let's actually take it off and show it to you properly. So it's Intarsia Crochet. And as you can see, it's just based on the sun. So it's something that's like understated bright cheeriness is probably how I would describe it. So it starts off with a little um, kind of semicircular in the yellow, which gives you the beginnings of the sun. And then it has beams popping out from the sun using a fan stitch um, and they come out at different parts in the shawl. And the beauty of it being, because it's loose weight, it's about um, it's about 120 grams for the entire thing. And my word, it is warm. It's a cosy little shawl. It's lovely. This is one of those where the, um, like the concept was there. I think I might have been slightly influenced by the Japanese flag and kind of um, Japanese iconography um, around the sun. And then um, I saw this colour and I picked it up at the Southern Wool Show when I was speaking with Johnny and Sally. And then I got this colour, the undyed 
um, later on after that. Yeah, I really enjoyed making it and I started this when I was in Iceland in November last year so that's how long the journey has taken but I just love the fact that it is a little ray of understated sunshine. You know me, I, I just... <laughs> I don't do big bright rainbows, it's just, it's just not my thing. Muted, understated, but, you know, quite conceptual, that's, that's what I like. So this is, this is Hillwyn, and it's spelt H-E-U-L-W-E-N, and I got lessons from Johnny and said, how do I pronounce it? One, how do I pronounce your company name? Because um, I think a lot of people call it um, Garthenor, and it's not, it's Garthenor. And I said, I was calling it Hulwyn, and he said, no, it's Hillwyn. And I was like, okay, give me it again. He said, well, it's like, when is the hill coming? So it's Hillwyn. And uh, yeah, great one for using up bits and pieces if you've got them of um, lace sweet yarns. But it, I think the design really comes to its own if you can get the yellow in there for the sunbeams. I think that's what really makes it. So that's finished object number one. I'm a bit sad because we were um, between Garthena and I, we were going to send this down the catwalk at Wonderful Wales. So that didn't happen, but maybe we'll do it for next year. And maybe I'll have done so many other designs by then we can just take over the whole catwalk with crochet. Yeah. So that was finished object number one. Finished objects number two, three, four and five are positivity spiral cowls. I told you last month that I would be working on a load of these because if you already got the original pattern that gave information for um, Ishrat fruitful, fruitful Fusions um, kind of heavy four ply that was 365 metres per 100 grams and what I wanted to do was build up the weights of different yarns and add that into the pattern so I just have one more to finish off which I'll show you in designs in progress and then I will be ready to update that pattern if you already bought the pattern I know many of you have it's probably one of my most popular patterns to date that and I think Omni will be as well when I release that next month Um, there just seems to be so much love for that so um, what I've done is I still need to weave in ends because this needs to be blocked I've done a chunky version of the cowl. This is using um, Garthener's Chunky, which is their number five weight wool. Um, all of Garthener's stuff is um, organic. And I think it's all British or it's predominantly, like huge, predominantly British. So this one is um, like a mid-brownie grey colour. It's a Jacob wool and they call it pewter and that's probably pewter is a really good name for it. It's just got that kind of dullness to it, which I really love. So chunky and this, um, I mean, you'd be lucky if this took me more than three hours to uh, make up the other night. I did it while I was watching TV. So we've now got a chunky weight version. Um, a DK version, which I made a lot longer and thinner. And this is in Joan Arbon Textiles Knit by Numbers, number 111. So it's a kind of a dirty mustard colour. And the idea behind this one is that you can just double it over and um, pop it on. But the real beauty behind Omni is going to be that when 
when I update all of the pattern, what I'm going to do is for each um for each weight of yarn, I'm going to give you an idea of how many stitch repeats you could do, and therefore how long, and um so what the circumference and what the depth of the cowl would be. So if you're looking for a very specific circumference to go around your neck that formula would be inside the pattern and you would know how many chains to start with and how many pattern repeats you're going to be doing with the stitch repeat. So that's that's why I'm doing all of these weights because then you can very much make it your own. Um, the other one that I did is a um, kind of rusty orange, really nice kind of foxy orange colour. And that was a shorter, like a smaller circumference, but therefore a baggier version of it. And this is in Joan Arbon Textiles Harvest Shoes, which is their Aran um, weight, which is like a worsted weight. And this is in the colour, I think that is called Bracken. But all the details are in the show notes. I've linked it all out. And then because Ishrat's um, colour that I did the original one for is in a heavy four ply, what I wanted to do was also make one in a like a standard weight four ply. For me, usually a four ply would be 400 metres for 100 grams. And one of the yarns that Joan Arbon Textiles does is their Exmoor sock yarn, which actually comes in a 50 gram skein. And that's all I used for this version. So again, it's a tighter version. It's in a beautiful kind of sea green aquamarine colour. And so that is just 50 grams. So that, I think, when you price it up, I think one skein of their Exmoor sock yarn is £9. Um, so, no, it's not. I think it's 7 So this cowl was £7 to make. And you could make it even taller, so if you wanted to get two, you could do a 100 gram one, and then you would have something that really kind of fills in and around your neck, or you could do the longer version. So the beauty of this is you can just keep on going until you've finished up using all of your yarn. Um, so it's a good scrap buster as well. So that's the four ply version. And then... So I mentioned in the podcast last month that I wanted to set myself a design challenge. That was going to give myself seven days to design a pattern and get it out and published. And I did it. Um, one of the reasons that I was doing it is we were just pretty much at the beginning of our kind of stay-at-home phase. And I am definitely somebody who works better to a deadline, who works better when I've got a task on the go. It just keeps my brain active and it keeps me quite focused. Um, I don't ever really stop. <laughs> I'm like the little energizer buddy. I only stop when my body just hits a brick wall and then I'm like, oh, I need to maybe take some time out and stop being so full on. But it really keeps me going and it keeps me active and it makes me happy. Like that level of um, pressure actually makes me happy and it keeps me operating at a level that I want to be operating at. So that's why I set myself the challenge. Total glutton for punishment. And the design that I came up with, it's called the Coho Beanie. And I wanted to, I've been wanting to do a stranded colour work hat for a while. And um, what I mean by stranded colour work, I'll show you inside the house. It's an, inside the house, inside the hat. So it's a knitted piece. 
and strands or colour are carried at the back while you are creating stitches with the other colour at the front. Same as you would do in tapestry crochet, um, it's it's a similar concept. You sometimes see this referred to as feral, but that's a very specific type of stranded colour work. Um, and I really love the Art Deco era. I love the beauty and the glamour of it. And in particular, one of the things I like are the scallop shapes that you get with Art Deco. And I also love the fact that that has been taken from nature and from um, like fish scales or reptile scales. And I just I really just love this pattern and design and I wanted to use it. So using John Arbon Textiles Yarnadelic Yarn, which I love, 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 love. And um, I just finished off a jumper with it, so I got mini skeins um, to be able to make these hat designs. And the minis are 25 grams, so they're, they're really nice um, kind of weight. They're not your standard 20 grams. Uh, which is 83 metres because this is a sport weight yarn. So for the teal version, I have used four different colours. So it starts off with a really dark teal, which I think is indigo dust. Then it moves into a brighter teal colour, which I think is... Um, where are you? It's called Of My Hand. Then there's an aquamarine blue, which is women in blue. And then this lovely warm cream is called Ordinary Jewel and so that's the four colour version and I just see I really love a beanie hat I don't particularly suit hats but of the hats that do suit my head shape and my hair and my face shape <laughs> that thing my very long face my face shape um I think a beanie is probably the best hat for me and I just really like it it's snug and I think that's one of the things for a beanie. So my ears stick out quite a lot. And because a beanie is snug, it just keeps my ears in and keeps them a bit warmer. <laughs> so the size that um, I started with is the medium to large. And then because, I, because I'm me and I am thorough Dashper Hughes, I then did it in five of and four other sizes so the entire pattern has got five sizes to it so I also did a large to XL size and I did that as a three color version because when my mini skeins turned up uh, the lovely millfolk had also sent me through this um, mid forest green color and this bright spring green so the mid forest green is called harmonium and the bright springy green which has got quite a bit of yellow in it is called English Sparrows and then I've teamed that up again with Ordinary Joe, the the warm cream. So you'll see when I wear this, this one's quite a bit bigger and I've shoved a bobble on the top of it. And um, it just means it's quite a versatile hat because you can use scraps for it and you can make it as a three colour version or a four colour version. And again, in the pattern, I have given you what weights you would need um, for each of the sizes based on three colours or four colours and based on the, um, so it goes from toddler to um, child which is an excess adult, small adult, medium to large adult and then a large to XL adult, so five in total. But I give you 
based on sport weight and my gauge and tension, how much you would need of each of your yarns. You can go scrap bust for this one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, comp I completed it. So I managed to come up with the design, although I'll be honest, I already had an inkling of what it is that I wanted to do. Came up with the design. I knitted the f five different versions of it, including the tiniest and cutest little toddler version. It's teeny tiny. And it's got a little green pom-pom on the top of it. <laughs> I know I need to keep this for a sample, but I'm desperate to see it on somebody's toddler. I just think it's just the cutest little thing going. Um, yeah, so I knitted up the five sizes, got the pattern over to Deb. It was tech edited back, back and forth, and got it published on the Sunday afternoon. So I think I started on the Monday, finished on the Sunday. And got it out. I'm really chuffed. It was quite an intense week, but one of the things I did as I was doing it is I took loads of um videos, and I am I'm going to pull together a blog post, which shows all of my design process, and I was doing that for two reasons. Um, first of all, I know there are so many budding designers out there, and I would love to give you some of the shortcuts and just be able to give you some encouragement and be able to kind of speed on your transition into doing your own design and seeing whether it's for you or not. So that blog post is coming. In the meantime, before that arrives, if you go to my Instagram account at Designs, then there are loads of videos on there from when I was doing the hat and that talks you through each part of my process and they're quite involved videos. So have a look at that as a first port of call. My other reason for doing it is because quite often I will get people querying why they should pay for patterns. And quite often there seems to be this thing that knitted patterns are worth more than crochet patterns and that crochet patterns should be cheaper. Now I know this was a knitted pattern that I did but there's no difference, there's literally no difference from one to the other. I quite often find that crochet patterns are actually more involved in knitting patterns and there is more to them. Um, when I think about the crochet patterns I've got, most of my crochet patterns are eight page patterns and quite often it's my knitted ones that are four page patterns, they're easier um, and the crocheted ones are more involved. So what I wanted to do was set out and show how much is involved in getting a pattern together and getting it tech edited and um, getting it ready to the point of publish and just how intense that work is so that hopefully the people that don't understand why a pattern has to be paid for um, would start to get a, a level of understanding around that and I definitely got some really lovely feedback on that from people so that's helpful but I think having the blog post to go to will be a really good part as well so if somebody says why do I have to pay for a pattern I can say because it took me about 60 hours to create that pattern because <laughs> that's the reality of the situation Um, it was a, a lot of hours worth of work and a lot of money to be able to make that pattern and that's why it has to be paid for that's my other set of finished objects and I know I do multiple of things but I think I think it's really helpful from a pattern point of view 
I, I'm not a massive fan of patterns that have only got one option. Great if it's a shawl, that's fine. But if it's a hat or mittens and there could be other options, then I kind of want to see other options in there. And I think it's something that in the long run, I'm hoping will give my patterns longevity and mean that people keep on coming back to them time and time again because they can make them for lots of people and their family and friends and they can become really good go-to patterns that's that's what I'm hoping for that's what I try to do with everything basically give you value and quality so I also said in the last podcast that I might have done some wood whittling by now I have done no wood whittling I plan on doing some this weekend though instead what I have been doing is I finally made my own first garment I got some organic cotton from a company in Lancashire, I think, called Fabworks. They kind of deal with end-of-line materials, and that's all. I just wanted something that was the right quality for what I wanted at the right price to do a practice piece, because I've never sewn a garment before. So what I made was the Elise T. It's a free pattern. It's goes from size small to large but it's really easy to regrade it I regraded mine up to an extra large and um, it's meant to be like quite a slouchy lowish necked t-shirt I'm over the moon with it it took me quite a long time to do it I finished work on Sunday afternoon at about I think two half two and had some lunch and went straight into pattern um, redrafting the pattern and cutting it all out for this and I think I maybe finished the t-shirt about seven o'clock at night. <laughs> so it was a long time in, but I'm really pedantic about where the stitches are and how good the hemline is and how good the neck is. So I put a lot of effort into it because I'm using this as like, building my skills at the same time because I really want to make more of my own clothes and a shortcut for that is to be able to sew them. So... I'm chuffed. I'm not 100% on the colour. It's like a, a, a sludgy brown colour, which I generally love. I think it washes me out quite a lot. But as a practice piece, and if I put a mustard top over the top of this, then it would look amazing. But I am genuinely pretty chuffed with my first effort in uh, sewing a garment. So, and the Great British Sewing Bee started last week as well. So it's all sewing everything's about sewing and I've looked at so many patterns and bought quite a few patterns I'm basically moving towards creating my own wardrobe I am one of the things that's come out of the stay at home and lockdown and the pandemic is is taking a look at my environmental impact because we're all forced to at the moment so whilst we already do an awful lot within our household, um, actually one of the big differences that I can make is in um, wearing through the clothes that I've got and then only making my own. Like I would love to make my own pair of jeans. That's my ultimate goal is to be wearing perfectly fitting jeans that I have sewn myself with gorgeous organic cotton. That's where I'm heading to. So being able to crochet my own tops and jumpers to be able to knit my own bits and pieces all of my own accessories and to be able to sew my own wardrobe 
that would be my ideal but to also to be able to do it with a capsule wardrobe with a very defined idea of what it is I want to look like I'm sure lots of you will be able to understand where I'm going at with this but I'm 43 this year and I've had a few points in my life where I kind of get to the mid of a decade and I start thinking well what do I want to look like over the next 10 years what do I want to be representing with my clothes and that's kind of some of the thought process that I'm going through so I'm thinking about it from an an age point of view but I'm also thinking about it from my environmental impact so that's taken up quite a lot of my thought process at the moment and working out how I want to look and I've spent four years now working from home and the other thing that's happened with the stay-at-home lockdown is that um, I kind of want to be smarter again so I spent a working career where I was in like high high heels suited and booted and then I stopped and I worked from home and I just stopped all of that and I was always in jeans and a top and that's really nice and comfortable but for my own self-esteem I also want to knock it up a level and really um, push myself on again and the best way that I can do that is through my own wardrobe and through me controlling it so there's going to be more of this I might have a little fabric stash building I already had a load I might have some more bits and pieces coming as I sew more of my own stuff Um, yeah rabbit hole I've plopped down to be fair it was always going to happen my nana was a seamstress she made all of her own clothes and when I say she made her own clothes she was not a tea dress kind of a lady my nana was in sharp pinstripe suits she was always in high heels she was always immaculately turned out and she always made her own clothes so she would wear like chiffon blouses silk blouses pinstripe suits to the day she died that was my nana like she was a woman who had you know where most people have got like standard shoes for in the house nana was always in high heels and even her high heeled slippers you know the ones with fluff on the front that was my nana she was just always really well um turned out and i'm hoping and it feels like it might have but i'm hoping that i may have inherited some of her sewing dna and heritage that's that's what i'm hoping to to be able to turn out the level of wear that she was doing i think she must i didn't know my nana that well but i think she must have been really quite precise about what she was doing how she was doing it and how many skills she wanted to learn so I've always um, attributed my love of learning and skills and crafts to my mum's side of the family because that's that's very much the way my mum is. But actually I'm now starting to get an understanding that maybe, you know, it was coming from my dad's side, from my nana as well. And so I've got this kind of, <laughs> this double funnel of creativity and crafting and precise nature that has really created the person I am now and I've never, you know, 43 and I've never really appreciated that before now but equally, like I said, I didn't really grow up with grandparents so I, I didn't really understand either side of the family tree so, yeah, it, it looks like I just have this double bubble of creativity that has been morphed into me <laughs> as a human being and I feel, you know, I'm, that's a fortunate place to be in. So, designs in progress. 
so close to finishing my scrap vent blanket but I'm going to show you in its almost unfinished state because I have got so many ends to weave in with this um, I started this a good few months ago now and I've put a lot of time into this um, this month and that's really why the podcast is called So Slim Simple Soothing Stitches because although I'm like working and working and working the stuff that I'm doing to relax a little more when I'm working at night are really repetitive things so it's really soothing stitches like the um, the blanket is made up with stripes and the stripes are just six row repeats of the same stitch so there's no thinking involved I can sit there and watch TV and I don't have to stitch count and I can just crack on with it and get crocheting and that's why this has moved on so much because I haven't really had the brain power to do more than this when it comes to night time. Matthew and I have both been working absolutely flat out during the last few weeks. I know for many people you're you're either on reduced hours working from home or you've been furloughed and you're not doing any work or you've got the added pressure of having your kids at home and trying to do homeschooling. Oh, I do not envy you that one one little bit. Um, and then others of you are going to be in the same state that Matthew and I are in, which is that really work has never been busier and you can't you can't stop. You have to keep on going because you want your businesses to survive. And that's where we both are at. So by the time it comes to whatever time at night that we've stopped, this is all my brain is ready for. It's just it just wants to do repetitive rows, repetitive stitches and things that are easy. So I have finally added all of my 24 stripes in there and I have to tell you when you when you get to this part before you start adding the border you might question some of your colour choices. So I've got a couple in here that in hindsight I probably wouldn't have added. I've got one which colour pools quite a lot and I'm just I'm just not a fan of colour pooling. I don't I don't like it. But it's okay because what it does is it matches rather nicely between the mustard that's on one side of it and the dark, dark green which is on the other side of it. So I can forgive the colour pooling on that. There's a bit of colour pooling that is going on also in one of my kind of last colours, but it's it's not as bad. And also I think when I added one of the middle colours in the acid, acid green, I think I might have been drunk. However, because I had pre-planned all of these colours and it is literally going from a peachy salmon pink into creams, peaches, fawns, fawn with mustard, mustard going into greens, lighter greens, acid green, like a luminous green with grey into blues, teals and then going up into a purple. So it is, it is covering a vast array of colours. Now before I added the border... I really wasn't sure, but even though I had predefined the colours. And then what happens is you add the border and I've chosen a warm cream colour and it just pulls it all together. So if you're ever doing a project like this, don't worry about your colours because when you add the border, it just gives it all a sense of cohesion. Trust where you've gone with it. 
And whilst I don't like the colour pulling in here, it's one of 25 colours, so it's not such a big deal. It's not like my eye is just constantly drawn to that one set of colours. I'm really not that keen on. The other beauty about this blanket is it's got all sorts of different... Whilst it's nominally four-ply, some of them are heavy four-ply. So there's one here and there's one here. And these are Fjord Fibres. It's um, Gillies sockweight yarn and I think it's 300 something like 340 meters per 100 grams and then I've got that sat nestled right up beside um, a four ply a light four ply which is 425 meters per 100 grams and they sit perfectly well side by side and whilst there's a little bit of difference in the width of the stripes it's not enough that I'm fussed about it and any issues between them I will be able to deal with when I block them out. So I'm adding the border before I have blocked. And then once I've finished off with the border, I will wet block and wash this blanket. And um, and that will even out any of the tension issues from one scrap um, set of yarn to the next. So it's a decent ish. It's like a lap blanket, something you would fling over yourself when you're watching the TV. It's not going to be the size of a bed blanket though it would be really easy to um, change up the numbers and make it longer and just add more and more and more scrap yarn to it and the f the border I'm just using 100 grams so I will finish at the end of a round when I get to the end of my 100 gram um, ball of yarn which came from Stash as well so this entire thing is going to be it's 24, 20 grams so that's come on brain 240, come on Faye, you can do this, 240, 24, 10, 10. So by the time I'm finished, the entire thing is going to be just under 600 grams, which is a nice weight for a blanket. And um, I, know, I know who's eyeing up already. Pom keeps on coming up to it and being like, oh, my future blanket, is it finished yet? And he even pooped a little. Usually he's quite good and he doesn't claw things up, but he has in this blanket, so... Got told off royally for that. Uh, next one, next podcast. This will be finished because I dare say it will be finished this weekend because I only have about two more rounds to go around the border and then we're done. But much as I said, I don't like colours and I don't like, um, like loads of rainbow colours, I have chosen each one of these yarns at some point because I really love them for different projects. So it stands to reason that I should be able to make a blanket that goes across all of my yarn palette choices and um, create something that I really quite like. I think Matthew hates it, but I don't care. Um, he'll be found snuggling under it with a cat at some point in the future as well. So the pattern for this will be coming uh, shortly, as soon as I've written it up and photographed it and got it all finished. But again, I'm hoping to give you options so... If you do eight rows, then it will come out to this size. If you do six rows, this size. If you do four rows, this size. So again, you can just you can kind of set it up for um, dimensions that you'd be after for it. So my other design in progress was the lace weight version, and what I've decided is, I don't mind lace weight, if it's a heavier lace weight, cobweb lace weight. 
is so fine. It's just a no for me. It's it's no. I started. I'm maybe about ten percent through this fifty gram, um, Hank, and I I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> it's so slow going because it's so intricate and it's harder to make sure you're going through both loops of it. It's harder to see where the filigree bits are. Everything about it is just harder in this lace weight yarn. So I'm actually going to pull this out. And I don't know what I'm going to do with the lace weight yarn. Does anybody want 50 grams of lace weight? It's about seven 700 metres for the 50 grams. Or 650 metres for the 50 grams. Does anybody want it? It's yours UK. I'll send it to you. Because I just can't even. So instead, what I've changed out for is... Um, Garthener's number one, which is the Shetland wool. That's the same that I've used in um, Hillwin, Hillwin, um, for the undyed. And this again is Shetland, but it's in the colour smoke. The one that I used in Hillwin is called Boulder. So this is a slightly, ever so slightly more grey. And it smells lovely. It's very sheepy. So I started this last night because I need to crack on so I can get the updated Omni pattern out. So I've only done two rounds. So much easier. So much easier. So this one is 350 metres per 50 grams. The John Arbin's Merino kind of cobweb, which is 650 metres per 50 grams. So much easier. So I think what I'm coming round to is I don't necessarily hate lace weight. When I'm working with it, I don't enjoy it as much as I like other weights of yarn. I definitely hate cobweb lace weight. But when it's a heavy lace weight, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't love it. I don't mind it. But the finished effect is just so lofty light and yet warm like the Hillwind shawl is light 120 odd grams but it's light as a feather and it's just so so cozy and that's what you get from lace weight you get the warmth but you don't get the bulk and the weight on you so if you were going if you were going up a hill and you had a lace weight version of this around your neck it would only be 50 grams that you're carrying and my word, your neck would be lovely and cosy and warm. That's the beauty of lace weight, that and it's just so fine. You get such a lovely pass of light coming through it. It's not dense, it's just really lovely and fine. So I'm coming round. I don't hate lace weight, but cobweb lace weight, girl. That's still the girl point. <laughs> So that is my last design in progress. Um, and I'm at the odd moment um, just now where I don't have a, I don't have any personal works in progress on the go. So I don't have any knitting on the go. And I don't have any um, crochet on the go that's for me. And I will, but I'm just in such a little like design bubble at the moment that I just need to keep on going with that. Because when you're enthused by something you should kind of take heed of that and so that's what I'm trying to do last year I didn't do that much the designing the year before I did loads and I kind of burnt myself out with it I'm hoping I don't get to that space again but 
when the tap is flowing, I'm inclined to keep on pushing forward with it and keep on letting it flow. So there's very little personal crafting going on, um, knit and crochet wise, but loads of designs happening. So moving on to feeding the habit. I've been a bit spoiled this month. I've had three different parcels come through from lovely crochet clan folk. Thank you. Each one of them arrived about a week after the other. And they arrived just at a time where I needed a pick-me-up where, you know, life life at the moment can just be a bit full-on and it's nice when the positive things happen and that's when each of these parcels arrived. So the first one came from um, Rachel, which is odd because um, I'd just been mentioning Rachel in the previous podcast and she didn't know that was going to be the case. And her stuff was in transit to me as as I was um, giving her top tip last month. Um, what Rachel sent me through were some vegan yarns. And she's put in a request for me to do some work on um, vegan yarns. And it is actually a blog and part of an episode that I want to do. And I've been slowly but surely getting in loads of vegan yarns over the year with over the years with a view to doing like a bigger review on them I just haven't yet got round to it so it is coming at some point um but it might be a little while yet let's be truthful about that so Rachel sent me through some seaweed yarn and if you're if you're looking for vegan yarns one of the first places I would point you towards is a company called um, yarnyarn.co.uk so www.yarnyarn.co.uk and this is hand spun seaweed so on face value it looks a little bit like um, what do you call it like the kind oh god twine that's the word sorry it looks a little bit like twine, but actually it's got a real softness to it. It's lovely. So um, I'd never felt pure seaweed yarn before. And this was not what I expected it to handle like. It's got, um, it's almost like a silkiness to it. So because it's plied like a twine, it's got quite a high twist to it. But actually it's got a soft handle to it. So I'm going to have a play with this. Um, I think what I might do ultimately for all of the vegan stuff is do some little, try and make something that can be used across the board and do some, so like maybe coasters or containers or something and also make up some little squares or something where I can wash them and block them and see how they behave and see how they wear. Um, because, you know, for many people they want vegan yarns for various reasons. It might be that you're allergic to wool or alpaca it might be because you are actually vegan um for some people it's an ethical choice it's it's what they want to do so um and what i've had in discussions over the years is people that want them as as wearable so they're always looking for good vegan yarns that can be used as um something other than wool so for garments and socks quite often the questions that i get around vegan sock yarns i don't think you'd want to use a seaweed one for socks i think you would feel every um tread that you made so thank you for that and she also sent me through three hanks of 
hemp. Now, I have felt hemp yarn before, but I've never worked with it. And so Rachel sent me through. I've got this kind of indigo blue with a slight hint of lavender. It's got that grayishness to it. A proper nice copper um, orange colour and an acidic green, which is just ever so slightly more green than the yellow green that I've got in the Hillwind shawl, but it's close. The three are beautiful together as well. And as I said, they are 100% hemp. So I will be giving them a try in my vegan yarn um, work that I'll do at some point in the future. So I'm going to keep them aside. I'm not going to work with them for now, but I'll keep them aside and then hopefully be able to show them off properly when I do that piece of work. And frankly, if I don't have yarn shows this year, that might open up a load of time for other things. A yarn show generally takes me about kind of two and a half, three weeks to prepare for. It's about two weeks of work in the lead up and then the actual show. And then it's about a week's worth of work in the takedown, getting all the stock back in, counting it in. So, I mean, that's a lot of time that I could potentially claw back this year to do other bits and pieces with. Ooh, there might be so many more things that are possible. Or I could chill out for a bit. <laughs> Um, so that was all the stuff that came from Rachel. So thank you very much for that. It was a lovely surprise. And then I had a um, a parcel of goodies come from Rika in Germany. This all started through Global Hookups because I was bemoaning the fact that it's hard to get marzipan here apart from at Christmas time. But of course in Germany you can get it all through the year. And so Rika sent me a parcel with the biggest amount of uh, marzipan in it. It's all gone, you've eaten it all. Because um, Matthew loves it as well. So that's all gone. But one of the th one of the things that Rika does is she does a lot of global travelling when she can. Um, and she's she's got quite specific reasons for going and doing that. But while she's off doing her global travels, she also tries to find wool and yarn from the country that she's travelled to. And she also tries to pick up some of their local crafts. So if she can, she will sit with local craftspeople and look at what they're doing and try and learn from them and maybe take classes on whatever it is that they can teach her, which is such a nice way to travel. Um, so Rika sent me all sorts of wools and yarns from around the world. So I've got stuff from Germany, Iran, India, and the stands. So Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Kajikistan. Um, which is um, this one here and she just calls it the stands which I've never heard it referred to um, before and then also from Peru and Bolivia so rather than showing you all of them I've popped a photo up in the show notes that shows you the, the wools that we've, she's passed on to me from all of the different countries but I just wanted to talk through like, the total difference in some of the spinning from one um set of countries to the next so the one that I'm showing up now is the one from the stands and it seems to have like a core of spun yarn of some description which has got a little bit of elasticity to it and then attached to that and all spun into it afterwards is this really short haired fibre I've never seen anything like it and you can if you're watching you might be able to see some of the fibres coming away from it I don't know what this would be used for. 
because the short fibre is really warm, but it is really, really short. So they've had, I don't think you could spin it in its own right unless you had it with this core that it's been spun onto. Really unusual. I've never seen anything like that before. And I'm not sure what the what the fibre is that it's been spun onto, but like I say, it's really soft and it's got kind of guard hairs on there as well. And then you compare that to the Bolivian wool and they are just totally, totally different. And that's when I look at all of the ones that Rika has sent me, you can see the different spinning and plying techniques and the stuff that's coming out of Peru and Bolivia is really like high quality, beautiful, um, beautiful twist on it and really consistent as well um and it's lovely and soft and i know there you have a lot of alpacas and llamas up there and um that are bred and kept in peru and, and bolivia and it's just so soft and lovely and it's just it's so different from the other bits that she sent so i want to spend a bit more time with the bits and pieces that she sent me and really look at the plies in detail but these two are just so different that they're the two that i wanted to um, to show you but what an interesting way of travelling the globe and being able to look at different crafts and um, the different um, ways of dealing with a similar material but in completely different ways so thank you for that Rika um, I've got all sorts of little bits and pieces that I, sorry I have actually got fluff up my nose now <laughs> And I also had a parcel come from Claudia, who's also in Germany and also sent to me marzipan. <laughs> we finished that the other night, Claudia. Just so you know, we finally got to the end of it. If you've never had marzipan with calvados in it, oh my word. If you love marzipan as much as we love marzipan, try the stuff with calvados. It was like another level marzipan. It was amazing. I should have just called this episode Marzipan Love. Um, Claudia sent me all sorts of goodies and I'm not, I'm not going to go through them all I'm going to show you what the yarn was that she sent me and it says we would, um, in the UK we would call this art yarn and art yarn basically means stuff that's slubby that goes from thick to thin um, and from what I'm always told by the, the spinners that I know this stuff is really hard to make like it's far easier to spin um like a four ply or a DK yarn than it is to actually spin an art yarn like this. So there's a real technique involved in it. Um, so Claudia sent me two of these hanks and I think I'm going to make a cushion cover out of them because I want the ones that I've got in my stash palace at the moment are shop bought and I just think I can jazz them up a little bit. And I think this, if I used like a double crochet, single crochet in US terminology and created quite a dense um, fabric with it, then that would deal with the thick and thin bits of it. And it would also make it something that was really nice and squidgy. And I've probably got enough there to be able to make a decent sized cushion cover too. So I think that's what I'm going to make with it. And I know it will go really nicely with another cushion cover that I... Um, crocheted up it was in the basket weave stitch it was um Jojo Twinkle Toes pattern like years ago I did this 
and I know that the two will sit side by side because they're both earthy tones. So the thick and thin yarn that I'm showing at the, at the moment has got like a, if I say a slurry brown green, some of you would think that, you know, I don't like it. Slurry brown green is one of my favourite colours. So it's got that in it going into a bright, bright green, a sky blue and then into a cream. And um, I'm really intrigued to see how this will crochet up and how the colour mixing will go with it as well. So this might actually be the personal project that I start this weekend because I feel like I need some crochet that isn't just like design work crochet. So I think I might start up on this too. I've kind of twisted it around my fingers like I've handcuffed myself. So just let's put it down. So thank you, Claudia. And the other thing that I had come through was when I uh, was getting the lace weight to be able to do the final Omni, I'm um, not Omni, Positivity Spiral. Johnny at Garth Enner was doing some little special mini skeins, little 10 gram pops of mini skeins. And uh, I just, I just couldn't say no really. So I got myself a little set. They came in sets of five. And I'm going to make myself my own coho beanie because I can't I can't really wear the shop samples. <laughs> I mean I can, but I won't because I want them to be pristine when they're out on the stand. So my little set of five um minis will become my own um coho beanie. So it starts out in a kind of nutty, yeah, nutty cream colour, slightly darker into a kind of a biscuit brown, hazelnut brown, and then almost like a chocolatey peaty brown. So my own little coho brini. And what I think is if I start with the cream, then that contrast against my mid-brown hair will look really nice. I think if I start with the, um, with the peaty brown, there just won't be enough contrast and you won't see the initial design of the hat. So I think if I start with cream and move up to the brown, then that will make a really nice coho beanie. So I might, that might be my selfish knitting that I do as well. It's not selfish, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Why is it selfish to make things for ourselves? That might be the knitted hat that I make for me that has nothing to do with work. These are so soft. And they are different um, types of wool as well, so... The two lighter ones are Shetland. The mid-brown um, is Blueface Leicester and Leicester Longwool. The um, hazelnutty brown is um, Manx Murut. And the dark brown is um, Shetland as well. Shetland comes in, Shetland fleece comes in so many different colours. And if you don't already follow Garthenor on Instagram I definitely suggest you do one of the um one of the things that makes them different is that they actually have their own sheep and it's lambing time so if you want to see the cutest sheep ever uh, go and have a look at their Instagram feed um Johnny's the son Sally's the mum and they have got Shetland sheep and Ryland and Ryland are one of my favorites they look like teddy bears and the lambs are just like mini teddy bears and their fleece comes in around their eyes and they've got quite boxy faces and they're just, they are beautiful. 
Um, so, and because it's lambing time, there are so many photos of cute lambs up there um, on their Instagram feed. Check them out. Um, that's Garthenor. That is it for feeding the habit. That is quite enough. One of the things that I wanted to add um, and using these mini skeins as a reference point is that quite often small companies will release um, little small batches of stuff to their newsletter subscribers. Um, so if you like that kind of thing, it's really worthwhile subscribing to your favourite company's newsletters because that's how Johnny put the mini skeins out. John Arbon Textiles have got their mill members and we get access to things early before anybody else does or things that are only ever available to mill members. And um, yeah, it's how they generally deal with small release, small batch things. And that's how you get in the know. And also, I would say at these times, so many people are really helping and supporting small businesses and it really makes a difference. I can't, I cannot underestimate how much of a difference it is when you buy from the small businesses in my industry. They're really appreciative of it. It's been really quite scary for a lot of people over the last few weeks um, from a business perspective. And um, showing your support and subscribing to their newsletters is actually, it's really helpful. It's a really nice thing to do. So if you can, go and follow all of your favourite people on Instagram and sign up to their newsletters because they're fighting really hard to keep their businesses alive at the moment and there's a lot of innovation that's happening from a lot of the companies that I deal with because they they want to survive, they, they want to keep on being creative and being in this industry. So give them a follow because um, you never know what they're going to come up with next. There's some really great things that are happening. So next up is quick news beats and I only have one thing for you here and that is that the next global hookup is on May the 23rd, Saturday the 23rd, that's 8pm BST, <laughs> I nearly said GMT, it's BST and then again on the Sunday the 24th at 9am BST. Um, so yeah, please do come along, we had a bumper number of people last month Um and yeah, it would be lovely to have you in there. All the details are up in the Ravelry group. I put it into the show notes and it also goes into um, stories, usually a day or so before. So on Instagram, so check there if you need a little reminder closer to the time. It'd be lovely to have you in there. So finally, um, j'adore. So going back to the idea of kind of simple and soothing... One of the things I have been doing is a lot more gardening. I have pretty much ignored our garden for about four years. And I've had Matthew out there helping me because the garden goes all the way around the house. and It's um it's quite a lot to do. And especially when you haven't done it for a while. So we've been really getting the garden up to scratch as well. And I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been really lovely to get back out. We're growing more of our own vegetables again. We're re we already get fruit and nuts and stuff from the garden so but it's really nice to be a little more self-sufficient and that's something that I want to keep on pushing you know like I said with the with the pandemic it's just made me rethink how we do things and how much we do and how much more we can do and that 
I think also, and this is going to sound weird, but crocheting and knitting are not the only things that top me up creatively. And it's all I've done for the last four years. And um, over the last couple of months, I've done other skills as well and learned other things. And I've really enjoyed it. And I think I need more of that in my life for a little bit of extra balance. So one of the things that I have been doing, um, I bought this book uh, back end of last year. This is a book that I grew up with. My mum had a copy and it's called The Country Country Diary of an Edwardian Lady and it's by Edith Holden. It was actually first published in uh, the year that I was born in 77. And it was her, I think it was her great niece that um, had it and then took it to the publishers and that's that's how it became published. It's really beautiful. It just harks back to, you know, a different era. And it's basically her journaling through an entire year, month by month, and paying attention to what's happening in the seasons and what's happening um, in nature. So one, it's handwritten journal. But also she illustrates it and she shows all of the flowers and trees and some of the insects and stuff and birds that she sees during that month while she's doing her thing as a, an Edwardian country lady. So what um, I've been doing is at the beginning of every month I go to the book and I look at what she's got for me and what she's looking out for in the British countryside and what she's seeing and just really enjoying sitting down and thinking about nature again and getting a little bit more back to basics and I know I'm not alone in this I know lots of people are taking that same step back and just reassessing what it is that they do and how they do it particularly loved she gives like mottos for the month that are particular to that month and one of May's ones was shear your sheep in May and shear them all away in other words you shear them after May if you shear them before May because the weather can still be quite inclement um, then you can basically do your sheep some damage. It's just, it's just really lovely, and it's um because I do it at the beginning of the month, it just kind of sets me up for the month ahead, and taking that, that step back and thinking about nature and the environment and again my impact. It was um yeah I saw somebody else had it on Instagram and it reminded me of my childhood and I instantly took to a second hand book supplier to find another, a copy of it. My mum will still have this somewhere in her bookshelves. Um, so it's quite nice that and I have one of mine too. So that is everything from for me, for me. I hope you're all well. Um, I hope you're keeping well, like physically and mentally. And um, I would really love it if I could see some of you at some point this year. That would be really nice. I'm just not sure it's going to happen. Rest assured, we are doing everything in this household to stay safe. I'm going out usually once a week, unless I've got loads of orders in, which I did after Wonderful Wheels, and I needed to get them away. So um, for that, I've done a couple of extra runs to drop off parcels. But other than that, we are completely self-isolating. And other than going for walks, Matthew hasn't actually left the house for weeks now. He's got to go out in a week's time and he said it will be eight weeks since he last drove so we're doing everything to protect ourselves and to protect other people and of course the podcast will be back next month so um stay safe everybody and i will be back on friday the 5th of june
lovely, lovely to spend some time with you. See you soon. As ever, thank you for being part of this podcast, your involvement and being part of the Crochet Clan means an awful lot. If you've enjoyed what you've seen and you want to support the podcast, I have a Kofi account and you can find that simply by searching for the Crochet Circle podcast or you can find links in the show notes. Thank you. Hello and welcome. That's not a good start. So my other uh, design in progress was the late...